Well, good morning. How we doing? I think you're excited to be in the house of the Lord, huh? You guys were phenomenal. How about that worship set, right? Yeah, what a way. We look forward to coming into the house of the Lord. My name is Pastor David. You're gonna be wanting to open your Bibles up to John chapter one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament. And John chapter one, we're gonna be in starting in verse 19. I will have to tell you that it was very, very cold the first service, but you guys brought the heat in, man. You just start, you pack this out. The body temperatures are just like radiating right now. So thank you. I'm not cold any longer. <laughs> all right, all right. Maybe you missed last weekend. I wanna talk to you a little bit about, we started this new series in the book of John and the title was That You May Believe. If you fast forward all the way to the end of book of John, there was a purpose that the book of John was written. And if you go all the way to the last chapter of John, the last verse, it gives you that reason why the book of John was written. And if you will read it, it says, these things were written so that you what? You may believe, all right? And so we've titled this series, and so I wanna just bring you up to date in case you missed uh, last week. And by the way, thanks for coming out, and, and, and I know you were snuggly in your covers, but you're here. And last week, we talked about one main thing. It's up on the screen. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. If you look at, at verse one in John chapter one, you see that the word was God and the word was with God. What we established last weekend was that the Trinity, Jesus Christ was with God before anything that you see here on the way to this church, before even the earth was formed, the waters were on the earth, the galaxies were made, Jesus was with God. And in John 1.14, it said that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God has come. God has come through the form of a son, Jesus Christ, and walk this earth. The title of the teaching today is Washed washed and Ready. And I'm gonna tell you a quick story. Um, many of you are like me. You leave the house in the morning, so you're away from your wife for some period of time. Sometimes it's eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. Here's what happened to me. Please don't think I'm gullible and don't make fun of me when I confess this to you. I got a text on my phone and here's what it said. Thank you for your purchase on your Amazon account. Oh, you got that text too. And here's what it said. It gave me an order number and it said, your card was charged for your new LG washer. <laughs> now you don't know my wife. She's really busy and I'm really busy and we have teenagers. Anybody busy in this room? Your week is like chaos. Like how did you even get through it? And I thought, I thought something happened to my washer within eight hours. And I thought knowing my wife, she's like, he's too busy, I'm too busy. I'm gonna order a washer. And I'm like, no, I'm the guy that's like, no, we'll get it fixed, we'll get it looked at. And she's like, I just need clothes washed, right? And I thought she literally ordered a washer. That was the first thought that came to my mind. It's like, that's unusual. We usually talk about those kind of purchases, right? It's like, so, right, couples talk about purchases. And I'm like, that's weird. So like, I send a text to my wife and she's like, did you call that number? I go, no. She goes, good, delete it from your phone. You been there? And I thought, God has a sense of humor. Yeah, God has a sense of humor because here's the title of the teaching, Washed and Ready. And I'm like, Satan, you and your dominions, get behind me and get out of my phone, right? <laughs> but what we're gonna talk about this morning, I believe that as we open up the word of God, there's gonna be two points that I, I think God wants us to glean on and I have it up on the screen, listen. 
Jesus came and he fulfilled the promises of God just like God said he would. How important is that in your life? Think about anything you believe about this, the word of God, the Bible, Jesus, God, anything that you believe, if you cannot count on God's promises, then that's gonna be a hard faith to follow. And so the reason why we're gonna cover this is because God, Jesus is who he said he is and he's going to do what he says he does and every word that we read in here is truth. It is truth. Number two, I think God wants us to glean that we're gonna see for the first time, the very first thing that Jesus did when he arrived to earth is that he is going to lead by example. And that is very important for us Christ followers because each and every one of you in this room that say that you follow Jesus Christ, that you are a follower, you're a Christian in your workplace, in your family, you're in your neighborhood, in your home, whatever it is, once you identify yourself as a follower of Christ, you are automatically a leader whether you like it or not. Sometimes that's surprising to you. You're like, nope, I don't want that responsibility. Too bad, you already invited Christ into your heart. You are a leader. Who are you leading? You're leading the lost. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, but the light is also in us. We have the good news and you are a leader. And we're gonna see why it's important for Jesus to lead us. If I were to ask you a question, what was the first miracle that Jesus did on earth? He turned water to what? I need to pray for you. You knew that miracle, but maybe you didn't know that we are to lead people as Christ followers. And I believe that's what God wants to show us through this passage today. You're in verse 19. Let's start and read it together. Verse 19, John chapter one. If you're listening online, welcome. Thank you for joining us. It says, now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Now, in order to understand the magnitude of this ministry of John the Baptist, you have to understand what is happening here. These Jewish leaders are, are hearing rumblings. They're hearing this new gospel, this new message. And, it, and it's starting to filtrate out through the region. And John the Baptist is teaching about the Messiah who is coming, okay? And so these Jewish leaders, they were unbelievers. They didn't believe that anything that John was saying, and they're a little worried. And so it kind of goes like this. Hey, man, there's some kind of foreign gospel. It's almost heresy, blasphemy, and it's spreading. We're hearing news of it, and there are large crowds. They're gathering around this guy named John the Baptist who is teaching, and he's proclaiming that the Son of God is going to come. The Messiah is going to come. And you have to understand that in John chapter one, all the way through the end of the chapter, you will see that there are going to be people that are against, coming against the truth of the gospel through these Jewish leaders. And church, I will propose to you today that it happened then, it happened today. Is the gospel being opposed in our world today? It absolutely is. And the gospel will always be opposed there will always be skeptics, but nevertheless, I'm thankful, aren't you, that the gospel did go forward despite the opposition that, that John the Baptist had, because if it hadn't, you wouldn't be here this morning, and neither would I. And so I want you, I told you this last week, I want you to fact check me. Remember, I, by the way, I owe somebody a gift card already. I quoted Hebrews 11.1. 1. It was actually Hebrews 11.3. And this awesome guy came up and he goes, Pastor David, it was 11.3. You got it wrong. And I'm like, ah. But I'm a man of my word. I want you to fact check. Anybody fact checking stuff now? You ever see that? 
oh, it's fact-checked, so it's true. Or maybe you post something and you go, mm, that's not true, I fact-checked it, right? That's a big deal in our culture today, isn't it? So I want you to fact-check me, but here's what I want you to do is write down what I mean. These same leaders that attacked John the Baptist and are coming against him in John chapter one, these are the same leaders that are gonna be all throughout the book of John that we're gonna see through this series. In fact, John chapter seven, verse one, seven, verse one, these are the same leaders that were looking for a way to kill Jesus. These leaders in John chapter 9, 22, they're the same leaders that decided and, and that anyone who acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah would be kicked out of the synagogue. You say, what does that look like today? That would be like if anybody walked into a church and they said, I believe that Jesus is the son of God, that leadership of that church would say, that's wrong, we don't believe that, and now you're no longer allowed to come in here and worship. That's what happened in that chapter. These are the same leaders that in John chapter 19, verse 17, it said that Jesus must die because he claimed to be the son of God. They didn't believe it. And because they didn't believe that he was the Messiah that the Old Testament promised, he must die. John chapter 20, verse 19, the disciples were huddled in a room you remember Jesus died on that cross. He rose again and he was started to appear to people and he did appear to the disciples. He came into the room just all of a sudden through the wall, didn't even open the door. And how did he find his disciples? They were huddled in fear. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of these same leaders. These are the leaders that will oppose the gospel in chapter one and they're gonna oppose the gospel all the way through the book, and you may ask yourself, well, why are these Jewish leaders from Jerusalem so upset about this? Because it wasn't just that John the Baptist was teaching to a few people, and then they got dunked in water. If that was the case, I don't think they would make the journey, which is a day's walk or 20 miles. You see that on the map. But no, it was not just a few people. It was a ton of people. In fact, Luke puts it this way in 370. He said that there are what? multitudes that came to be baptized by John the Baptist. You know, when I looked up that word multitude, do you know what it means? It means a large gathering of people, a massive group of gathering of people. And so we know that this wasn't just some guy that was off his rocker, according to them. This was something that was seriously taking over the region. It was a new gospel. And so they were threatened by this. There's a map up there, you can see this. It kind of gives you an idea of what's happening in this chapter. There's Jerusalem, the capital city. This is where the leaders got sent in verse 19. And you see where Jesus Christ is gonna arrive on the scene that we will see later. It's on the Jordan River. So it's about 20 miles. They're concerned because words already got to Jerusalem. Something crazy's happening and we don't believe it. And it caused them to send these leaders to investigate because it was a threat to the religion and the sanctity of the Old Testament. You remember how I explained to you last week, if you were here, that we had to deal with sin and how was sin dealt in the Old Testament? Remember, at first it was a priest that once a year would go and he would intercede for all of our sins. There would be a sacrifice and there was a ceremony cleansing for the priest to go. And then later on in the Old Testament, where we left the Old Testament was the fact that it was, there was a temple and people would travel near and far for their sins. And then outside of the temple, there would be animals because in order for sin to be forgiven, there had to be the shedding of a blood, a life for a life. And there were doves and there were goats and there were bulls and depending on your income, 
If you were poor, you purchased a dove. If you were wealthy, you purchased a bull. And then that would be taken and sacrificed for their sin. And then they could leave the temple free and guilt-free of their sin until tomorrow, right? And here's what was going on. That dove, just like our gas pumps that you can't stand paying for when you fill up the tank, right, Ken? I know you got a dually truck. That's crazy. What is $110 to fill up your truck, right? The inflation, well, guess what? They started to inflate the dove price. Who do you think was inflating that price? The leaders, the leaders. I propose to you, what was Jesus, pre, or what was John the Baptist preaching? He, here's what he was preaching. That sins would be forgiven through a savior, Jesus Christ, who was about to come. And it was God's one and only son. And Jesus would come and walk and talk and baptize you and forgive you for all of your sins once and for all. Uh-oh. Some priests, some Jewish leaders, all of a sudden, they may be unemployed. Because if that gospel is truthful, we now lost money and we now lost our job. And I believe that the reason why they sent these religious leaders to go check out John the Baptist, they were basically there to kind of see what was going on. Is there any truth to this? But also they were there to shut down his ministry. They were threatened. The gospel of Jesus was threatening people. Do you think the gospel of Jesus threatens certain people that don't want to hear it in today's world? Yeah. How many of you have been shut down when you tried to share the gospel? Yeah. Keep, keep talking. Keep talking. Keep preaching. Keep loving. Because we are in the end of times. The religious leaders were angry. They were threatened in fear of losing money and they considered the gospel of Jesus blasphemy. I was thinking about this, and I don't know about you, but I grew up in West Melbourne. We've been here for 38 years, and let me tell you, there's a big box store, okay? There's a big box store that you all know. It's a hardware store, and actually, there's two of them. There's Home Depot, and there's Lowe's, right? And back in the 90s, one of them just conquered America. It was one of the very first box stores that took Ace Hardware and all the mom and pop, you know, hardware stores around all the seas, all around America. What one was it? Was it Home Depot that came first or Lowe's? It was Home Depot. And now here's something really interesting, right? If you're Home Depot, all of a sudden when Lowe's decided that they were going to be competitive, what happened was, at least in my town and I know in, in, in Vero, here's what happened. Strategically planned, they said, we're going to build a Lowe's directly across from Home Depot or we're gonna build it within a half a mile. They were competitive and it was strategic and guess what, it worked. I love Lowe's. You know why I love Lowe's? It's less than a quarter of a mile from my house and it's convenient for me. <laughs> and don't you think that was strategically planned as well, right? And all around the country, anywhere you go and visit, you go check it out. You remember this. You go look where Lowe's is, and I bet you there's a, Lowe's, or a Home Depot within a half a mile, right? But I want to share something. This is important. God's ministry is not competitive. It is not competitive. You say, well, Pastor David, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. You need to know that the four pastors down here, we have relationships with, with pastors in this area. We are all on one team. 
I can't tell you the number of calls. I mean, we call each other, we pray for each other, we look out for each other, we encourage one another, we go to breakfasts, we pray. I'll get a call. Caleb, our, our production director is back there, he knows this. I'll get a call from, you know Riverside Church. You guys know this, you know? Pastor Grant, his worship leader Moses will call me. He's like, man, my amp blew out and now we can't have worship. And I'm like, let me make a phone call. Let me see if we can't get an amp down here. Let me see if I can't get Jacob, our sound guy, to, and I'll call Caleb. And Caleb's like, oh, it's close again. <laughs> and I'm like, I really don't want to bother you, but this is like really, this is a need, right? We've had our lighting director go down, just right down the road, Pastor David. And he, and he wanted to, you know, hey, that wall just doesn't become purple, does it? And there's lights, and he's like, how do you get your lights? Where do you find them? How, do you, you know, can we get discounts? How do we do this? And then can you send somebody down? Like, I want to change what the stage looks like. I'm like, absolutely. And we sent Dusty, bless his heart, he's in heaven now. We sent Dusty to go and meet with him and give him and order the lights and take them to him and help him set up. We've given equipment, and they've helped us. These churches have helped us. Pastor Seth used to be in the middle school. He, he was there for 10, 12 years. And now he's over on US-1. He got a church building, kind of like this scenario. And he called me a year and a half ago. He was like, hey, talk to me about how this happens. I go, it's nothing but the power of the Holy Spirit. It can happen. You can't figure it out. But I'm gonna pray for you and I'm available for you. And pastors have been available for us. Do you understand that there is no competition in these last days in God's kingdom? And I want you to know that I truly mean that for this church. And we support one another. And we are not interested in stealing sheep. You may see like, oh yeah, well you do that. No, we don't want to steal sheep. If you come here and you're from another church and I find out here's, or one of our pastors, you know, I'm going to say, do you have a conversation with your pastor? Pastor's going to make mistakes. Pastor might even hurt you, but he doesn't mean to. Go have a conversation. And if you guys are clear, come. But, but you see how important that is. And what we see here is competition here between the Jewish leaders and John the Baptist. Verse 19, you're gonna see one of seven series of questions that they're going to ask him. Look at verse 20. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. I love what New, uh, New Living Translation says. He says, he came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Do you know what I love about that? He's like, I'm not making a name for myself. I'm not interested in, 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 in this ministry that God has ordained me to do. Remember, he was born around the same time as Jesus. And God had put a calling on his life to do exactly what he's doing to prepare the way for the Lord. He was a forerunner. And notice that he says, I'm not the Messiah. And I'm not even about this ministry. I'm not here to make a name for myself. I'm pointing people to Jesus because Jesus is going to come. And this is when Jesus was gonna start his ministry. Point number one, I want you to write down, our service, our ministry, volunteering unto the Lord should always point people to the Lord. Amen? What does that look like for you? If, if we're doing something to be seen, if we're doing something to be acknowledged, if we're doing something to be recognized, we have to be very careful. I, there's a verse that God gave us in Colossians 3.17. I love what it says because it kind of helps us fight our pride. It kind of helps us go, no, no, no. I don't care what people say. I don't care how, how you know, some, there's, there's one person here in our church and he always winds up on Facebook in a picture. I don't know how. And we joke with him all the time. It's like, you're always on Facebook. You're the face of the church. And, he, and you can just tell he's humble. He's like, I don't want it to be that way. How's this happening? I'm like, I don't know, you know. 
But there's a great scripture and it says Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, I'm thankful for that verse because it gives us a humbling approach to our servanthood, to the ministry and what we do. That we always point what we do and how God uses us to Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was very careful to point that out. And he wasn't a threat to the Jewish leaders and he knew that. And look at verse 21, it says, and then they ask him, here's another question, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. This is interesting because they're sent from Jerusalem and they're saying, get a hold of this. By whose authority is this foreign blasphemy heresy gospel being taught? Who told you to do this? We didn't. We're the Jewish, we're the religious leaders in this area. You're going rogue. What are you doing? Who's giving you this authority? So he's trying, they're trying to figure this out. Now understand, the Jewish leaders, what do they follow? The Old Testament, right? So if it's in the Old Testament, then they know. I love how strategic John the Baptist does this. Look what he says. They're saying, are you Elijah? Why did they ask if he was Elijah? Because John the Baptist knew they were trying to come off the Old Testament. Look what's up on the screen. The, the prophet Malachi 4, 5. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. This is why the Jews are going, hey, are you Elijah? They're trying to fact check John the Baptist. Now, when you see that word, the dreadful day the Lord comes, you're like, I thought that was supposed to be a good day. Like, hey, Jesus, come down right now. We're warm, take us to heaven, right? Rapture us right now. It's not a dreadful day, but it was a dreadful day to, when Malachi was talking to the crowd in front of him. Why? Because they were sinners. They turned against God. They were sinning against God. And he's saying, hey, there's going to come a day when God will come, and that will be a dreadful day for you because the God's wrath will be upon you. And that's why you see that in there. But they're like, hey, maybe you're Elijah. He's like, no, I'm not Elijah. Look at the rest of 21. He says, are you a prophet? And he answered, No. And also they're looking for this Old Testament connection. You see it in Deuteronomy 18, 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a what? A prophet like me from your midst. God's saying this, like me from your midst, from your brethren whom you shall hear. They're thinking, okay, well then maybe John the Baptist is a prophet. John says, no, I'm not a prophet. Look at verse 22. Finally, they said, then who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And I love verse 23. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Now put that up on the screen production. What is he doing here? He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. You see how smart John is? See, he's, he knows his audience. He knows who's challenging the deity of the ministry of Jesus. And he's saying, I'm gonna try to explain this to you. I'm quoting your prophet you believe in. So you see it on the screen or you see it in verse 23. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. You know what I love in Isaiah verse five, I have it up there. Look what it says. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh will what? See it together. See, it's a prelude. And we're to see in, chapter, in verses 31 through 34 when we close the service that everyone will see Jesus. John says, look, the lamb has come. And he's quoting their prophet saying, it's gonna happen. The Messiah, the son of God is gonna be here. And yet they do not 
believe him. And verse 24 is the last question that they will hammer John with. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answers in verse 26, I will baptize with water. And John replied, and this is very important, underline this in your Bible. But among you stands the one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. What is John saying? Well, first of all, at this moment, at this scene, is Jesus already on earth? Yes, he is. Remember, he was born. And remember King Herod? Remember I told you the gospel of Jesus is gonna be threatened. Threatened when he was born? Threatened when he's starting his ministry? Threatened now? Threatened in the future? It's just gonna happen. There's spiritual battle going between good and evil, right? But notice that, Remember, King Harold was threatened by the Son of God coming, and what did he do? He put a decree in the land that every single baby would be killed, under, a male baby would be killed under the age of two, didn't he? He was hoping to wipe out Jesus. Last time we hear about Jesus, his lousy parents, Joseph and Mary, lost him and left him in the temple and actually left town. Anybody lose their kids at Walmart or the airport? I have. That's a scary thought. <laughs> I mean, that's panic. We're in Orlando International Airport, and I turn around, and Ryland, my three-year-old, is gone. Can you imagine? Yeah. Panic. Yeah. But the last time we see Jesus, parents went back and got him. He was te- they found him teaching in the temple. And Jesus is now ready to hit the scene at 30 years old. And so what's happening here is that John is saying, you're just not gonna believe. Here he is, he stands among you, and yet you do not know him. What about believers? I think there's something to take from that very verse. What about us believers? Is it possible that Jesus is in our midst and yet we don't acknowledge him? Is it possible that we get caught up in this world and we go through trials and tribulations Any fixers, men, women, anybody like to fix things in your own life? Oh, I'll fix it. Let me take care of this. Nobody, I'm the only one. Thanks. Hang me out to dry. Never ask you that question again. No, there you go. All right. Right. What do we do? How can I work this out? How can I make this happen? How can can this change? How can we take care of this? You know what the problem is? I believe for me at least, sometimes Jesus is right in my midst and he's like, I'm right here and yet you don't know I'm here. I can take care of this in your life if you just ask me. That's what I'm here for. I'm Lord of your life. And sometimes we forget that, don't we? He's right in our midst and yet we do not know. We're not aware. So I propose that I get better at that. That when something happens in my life that I don't like, it's unfair. I don't understand it, that I lean on Jesus and I go, Jesus, I know you're with me and I know you can get me through this and I know that you can do something because you are the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords and you do lead my life. You are in my midst and I need to be reminded of that. Just let that set in for what's going on in your life today. Maybe that's why you came here. You needed to hear that and be encouraged. 
because he's willing to do that in your life. Next point I want you to write down. Having faith means we should look for Jesus to be in our midst every day and in every circumstance. He's faithful. He's faithful to his children. Verse 28, this all happened at Bethany on the other side of Jordan where John was baptizing. I'm gonna skip real fast here. Verse 29, the next day Jesus, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the Lord. Lord. Scoot down to verse 34. I have seen and I testify that this is God's, what? Chosen one. You know, I like what John said here because, again, I think John was very smart talking to the crowd. We go back to Isaiah 42, chapter 42, verse one. God says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my what? My chosen one. In whom I delight and I will put my what? I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Prophecy said that when Lord Jesus comes, he will rule the whole world. The whole world will have to acknowledge him as my son, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Messiah has come. My chosen one. And I told you that there's another thing that I want us to glean before we leave this place this morning, and that would be the fact that Jesus led by example. And what we see here is that Jesus has come onto the scene, and the very first thing he does, and I want to give you some homework. There were four, four of the disciples that witnessed the baptism of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and you're in John. So go back and look at the baptism of Jesus. You know what's really cool? I'm gonna pick on these four people right here. You four people, you're now the four disciples. I know, heavy load, lots of responsibility. Because if you don't spread the gospel, there is no church in 2022. <laughs> but if you saw and witnessed something and you saw and witnessed something and you saw and witnessed something and you saw and witnessed something, you were all there. Do you know what? If I were to ask you to write something down on a piece of paper and describe what you saw, each and every one of you would give a different story. The homework that I want you to do, church, because we open the word of God, not on Sunday, but through the week, right? I want you to look at the testimony. I've got one of them up here. I've got one of them up here somewhere. Where is it? Sorry. That's what happens when I leave the stage. It's found in Luke. And for some reason, I can't, it's not there. Luke 3. Put that up on the screen. Should be up on the screen, maybe. Here it is, Luke 3, 21. This is, this is what Luke saw when Jesus got baptized. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened. Put that picture up on the screen, guys. Thank you. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. Do you know why I love that picture, and you know why I love this verse? You need to underline it, keep it, because when someone argues with you that the Trinity isn't real, my wife's father, who is now passed, he told my wife and I, there is no Trinity. Oh, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, but there, I don't believe in the Trinity. 
This right here, there's very few places in the Bible where there's actually a picture of the Trinity. And when you see that right there and what, what Luke just testified that I read to you, Jesus, the Son of God, is on earth. Everyone that was there heard the audible voice of God saying, proclaiming, this is my son. And what they saw was the, the dove that came down, which is a representation, symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity was there. Why is that important? Because this was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And not only, despite the fact that he will be denied, that he will not be believed and he will be killed, it was important that daddy had his back and that he was verified by God, this is my son. You say, well, what about the leadership? What about the leadership part of this? Look at John 13, 15. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. First John 2, 6, the one who says he abides in Jesus ought himself to walk in the same manner as Jesus did. And you say, well, what's that got to do with me, Pastor David? Here's what it has to do with you. If you proclaim yourself to be a follower of Christ, if you say that you abide in Christ, and Jesus has already told us that, you know, remember Paul, when he was a leader, he said, follow me as I follow who? Christ. What Jesus was saying is, let me ask you, did Jesus need to be baptized? He's the son of God. Did he need to? I don't know. But did he get baptized? Absolutely. The homework that I gave you, read another testimony. John actually said, I can't baptize you, you're Jesus. Jesus, in a great way, is like, John, you will baptize me. He's like, you're Jesus, I can't baptize you. I'm not even worthy of that. John, be quiet, baptize me. So if we're gonna follow Christ, what did Jesus say? He said, the one who says he abides in Christ ought himself to walk in the same manner as I walked. Why was the baptism of Jesus so important? Three reasons, very quickly, listen. The first thing Jesus taught us that leaders lead by example. If you're a cross follower, you need to lead by example. Number two, Jesus fulfilled and verified John the Baptist's ministry as truth. You know, John was taking a bad day. People were just against him. How'd you like to be hammered with seven questions from religious leaders? He's like, I'm telling you the truth. Jesus came and said, John the Baptist is telling the truth. You see the reason for that? And number three, Jesus fulfilled what the prophets told the Jews. How important is that in the rest of his ministry when he's fighting with the leaders? He is who he says he is. So maybe you're sitting here this morning you go, Pastor David, I don't even, I'm not baptized. Maybe you didn't even know about it. if you're like me. I got saved, but I wasn't baptized for five years. I don't know where I was when, when the pastor was talking about baptism. It just didn't click. And I literally got baptized five, five years later, but I got baptized in the ocean on Melbourne Beach. One of our elders is here today, Ken Welsh. He probably was there and witnessed it and baptized me, but I didn't know. So now you're here and you know. Jesus got baptized. He calls us to be baptized. I want you to watch this video from one of our elders, Steve. He puts, it, he puts it beautifully. Let's watch this video, and then we'll finish the service. Matthew chapter 3 gives an amazing scene. We get to see Jesus' baptism. Jesus did not go to the front of the line. He just got in line with all the common people and waited his turn 
And when he got to his turn, there was John the Baptist, his cousin. John did not want to baptize him. He said, no, you should baptize me, not the other way around. But Jesus insisted because he was setting the example for us. He was 30 years old and about to begin his ministry. Now, I know many of you might have been baptized as infants or very young people. Nothing wrong with that. I'm sure your parents were dedicating you to God. They were doing what they thought was good. They certainly wanted you to follow God, but it wasn't really meaningful for you. Biblical baptism has to happen after you have turned your life over to Christ. As the Bible says, you're born again. So you've repented of your sin. You've turned your life to Christ. You're trusting him as Lord and Savior, and then you get water baptized to show the world what's already happened symbolically in your heart. The moment you truly believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and he rose from the dead and he saved you from your sins, at that moment you become a believer and you are baptized into the body of Christ. The Spirit of God comes to live in you, but the actual baptizer is the Holy Spirit of God convicting your heart. The Bible talking about one baptism is not talking about water baptism. It's talking about being baptized into the body of Christ the moment you believe. And let me read you that verse from Ephesians chapter 4, because I think it's a significant verse to understand. It's called the seven ones of Ephesians, talking about unity and the importance of the major doctrinal things in the, the body of Christ and Christianity. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So there is one body of Christ, all the believers in the world who have turned their life over to Christ and been baptized into the body. When we baptize you, it doesn't matter whether you're in a pool or the ocean, a pond, wherever. It's not the physical act of going in the water. It's spiritual what's going on. Romans chapter six gives a great discussion of spiritually what's going on. The old man is dying. It's like Christ going in the grave. You're going in that water and you're leaving behind you the sinful nature, your old ways, and you're coming up anew, washed, clean, fresh. Uh, the joy of the Lord shows when you come out of that water. It's interesting to note that Jesus began his ministry when he got baptized at the age of 30, and then at the very end of his ministry, his final words also mention baptism, when he commands us to go out and baptize believers. At the end of Matthew, you'll see the Great Commission, where we are to go into the world and make disciples, uh, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus taught us, and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God knows our heart, and that is the most important thing uh, for a believer. You can fool your parents, you can fool your pastor, but you can't fool God. So when you're getting baptized, it's a real big deal to God, and it's a real, it should be a real big deal to you. I hope to see you at a baptism. Uh, it, it, it matters. It really does. Didn't you do a good job of breaking that down? Yeah. I'm going to invite the band to come up. I want to show you some pictures of baptisms. This was in the in the uh, Israel. We were in the Jordan River. That's Pastor Keith in the Vieira campus. And uh, some of you say, "Well, can I be baptized twice?" Well, if you're in the Jordan River, go for it. 
Next, <laughs> this is in the ocean. Pastor Craig and myself, this is Emily, and we baptized her in the ocean, and guess what? That wave is forming. She got baptized a couple times. <laughs> Next, <laughs> Dennis, Dennis, our security, yeah. Dennis got baptized in the aquatic center next. Pastor Ryan, this is my favorite picture. This is me and the other pastors baptizing. We had the privilege to baptize Pastor Ryan. It was a wonderful day. Next. That's Pastor Mackley, our Haitian missionary, Pastor Ryan, and Chris. Chris is here right now in this room, and he serves in the youth department. We're so thankful, and it was a great time. Yeah, give Chris a hand. Look at that. That was our last baptism. Can I just tell you that? If you've not been baptized, I invite you to Pastor Ryan's house this coming Saturday. What an appropriate time that, that God's word brought us to this. And maybe you're here and maybe you're saved, but maybe you've never been water baptized. I encourage you, follow the footsteps of Jesus and come and be baptized. All of us pastors will be there. It's in a pool. Don't worry, you won't get slammed by a wave. And there's an inf there, information center. There's a map out there. He's right behind Tractor Supply. We put signs out there. It's at 10 a.m. Come about 15 minutes early. We're gonna have a wonderful time of worship. We're gonna just talk real quickly on baptism and then we're gonna just rejoice and baptize you. And, and follow the footsteps of Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, you know what? I don't even know if I'm saved. I, I mean, you can't stop. You can't just like jump to, it's like kind of like getting married and then having kids, right? It's like God says, no, no, no. As Steve said on that video, it's like, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then we need to address that first. If there's anyone in this room or anybody listening on the podcast and that's you, just in lieu of time, I'm gonna just come up out of your chair at the very end of the service. The pastors, I'll be here, the prayer counselors, just come and say, you know what, I don't even know if I'm saved. And I just realized that I need the Lord Jesus Christ to, to lead my life and to love on me and to forgive me of my sins. And we will meet with you, we'll pray with you, and we're gonna celebrate with you. And then you can come and be baptized with us this Saturday and be at the party. And those of you that are baptized, I just encourage you, come, come. To, he's got a big yard. He's got seven acres. That's a huge pool. We'll fit you in there. It's a huge pool. Just come and be a witness. That's what baptism is. It's a witness. It's an outward expression of what God has already done inside your heart. And so if that's you, just come. Just trust the Lord. Take his hand and be water baptized. Amen. All right, we're going to...